More and more over time, I'm finding it's those trusted human relationships that, that really become my major filter to make sense of what the heck's going on. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are a wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Harold Josh, who has been an independent consultant for almost two decades, working with individuals, organizations, and governments to improve collaboration, knowledge sharing, and sense-making. He is author of the Seeking Perpetual Beta ebook series and has been running the very popular Personal Knowledge Mastery online workshop for many years. You can find more on his work at josh.com, that's J-A-R-C-H-E. Very influential blog, some wonderful frameworks, a lot of great resources there, and on Twitter at hjosh. In this episode, Harold shares insights on personal knowledge mastery, the seek, sense, and share framework, network learning, finding different perspectives, and far more. Keep listening to learn from Harold's great insights. Harold, awesome to have you on the show. Great to be here, Ross. So we've uh, known each other for a long time, and I think one of our common interests um, has been what you you have framed as personal knowledge management, or I think in your case, personal knowledge mastery. Uh, so, so can you explain what personal knowledge management is and how you came to that? Yeah, it started when I started freelancing, which was in 2003. And uh, one of the challenges I had is that I, I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. I'm uh, about a uh, thousand kilometers from either Boston or Montreal, major cities. So I live out in, in Atlantic Canada. And one of the challenges I had was um, how do I stay current in my profession? Um, uh, how do I stay connected to people? And how do I not spend a whole bunch of money? And I came across the work of uh, several people, um, particularly Lilia Efimova, uh, who was uh, doing her uh, doctorate about uh, knowledge sharing through blogging uh, at, uh, I think it was at University of Twente in um, in, uh, in uh, the Netherlands. And uh, there are a few other people who were talking about that at that time. Denim Gray, who was working for IBM. Dave Pollard, who was working for Ernst & Young as the chief knowledge officer. And I, I was reading their stuff. 
And I saw that, particularly with blogs, because that was the technology of the time, is that it was possible to connect with people without actually having to see them, uh, without having to travel or anything like that. And my budget was pretty well close to zero uh, for travel. And I started writing about PKM just on, on my blog and sharing it mostly for myself because everybody didn't have much of a, of a readership. And what transpired over time was that I started really taking a look at the discipline of how do we make sense of uh, a knowledge of, of our experiences? How do we uh, build um, uh, knowledge networks? Um, how, how do we um, uh, uh, have others uh, help us make decisions? How do we understand the constant flux, of which is increasingly uh, more so today, of, uh, of information and particularly disinformation over time? And I basically was writing for myself. I was putting it on the blog and just sort of basically talking out loud to, to, to nobody. But several years later, uh, probably I'd been writing about it for at least five years, I was contacted by the uh, fellow who was in charge of leadership development at Domino's Pizza. And he said, this is really interesting stuff you've been writing about. Do you think that we could you know, incorporate what you're doing and uh, use it in our leadership training? And I, I went to Domino's head office and uh, we, we worked on this for, for a period of time. And it was kind of when the light went on that, you know, this is a kind of thing that is uh, going to, that could help a lot of people. And I kept working on the model and uh, kept putting stuff out there. And I had a whole bunch of half-baked ideas, and which really was kind of the process of, of, of PKM. Um, I came up with, the, uh, with a higher framework framework using the alliterative um, uh, terms of seek, sense, and share, and then shifted uh, from personal knowledge management to personal knowledge mastery because I did not want to be directly linked to the knowledge management world, which was uh, still very much about um, uh, codifying information and pumping it out to people, whereas PKM is the opposite, is people making sense and then put, floating it up, sharing it with others, and what emerges from those conversations relationships then is that shared knowledge base and that's kind of where so it's been about 14 years or so I think that I've been I've, I've been working on that um, it's a work in progress um, but now it's been used with a with, with a lot of different organizations we just finished um, uh, implementing um, training education uh, program it's um, it's very much a um, uh, cohort based uh, uh, learning program at Citibank and we've uh, run several thousand people through that and it has four modules. What's interesting is the first module is is, is based on curiosity, which really becomes the underpinning uh, framework, uh, underpinning part of uh, seek, sense, and share. Is at first you have to be curious about people and ideas, and that's kind of where we are today with it. So this, uh, I suppose, personal knowledge is, is developing your knowledge as an individual, uh, as you say, uh, in immersed in information. So I think it's particularly interesting that you know you are. As you say, so isolated, yet mm -hmm. you are still on the edge of change. So, just I mean, I think it's there's a lot of different directions to go. But I mean, mm -hmm. partly, you know, I suppose one of the first things is what do you? How do you define your own expertise? What it is that you uh, choose to keep current with? 
Yeah, I, two areas really. Um, uh, one is uh, distributed work, or what some people call remote work. I mean, I've been working remotely <laughs> for eighteen years now, and, uh, and and I think that I've learned a fair bit about that, and uh, can help organizations and help people uh, uh, develop different skills. For example, one thing that I've learned about you know working in a distributed way is that asynchronous communication becomes critical. You can't spend your whole day in Zoom meetings talking to people. You have to find ways of sharing information, not in real time. And, you know, as we as bloggers, um, we, we understand that we've been sharing information um, asynchronously a lot. And I think that um, the asynchronous communicators, the ones who do it well, are really going to do much better in uh, this emerging um, remote workplace. And then the, the other one is, um, uh, is networked uh, learning. And it, it's this uh, working with other people and connecting to other people. And in a lot of cases, it's learning from people um, who you don't have a work or a, a collaborative uh, relationship with. I mean, it's like you and I, right? We we share freely between each other, and you know, and and over time, we you know, we've learned from each other. But you know, there's no deal in it or anything like that. And uh, but what we've done is that we've uh, we've we've built a relationship, which becomes very important when it comes to if I want to know something specific, I know that I can call you up and say, hey, Ross, can you explain this thing to me? Because this seems to be your, your field of expertise. And more and more, that is where um, uh, we're all going, is that uh, we're only as good and as smart as our networks. And the network learning is a two-way street, is that you have to give uh, in order to get. And uh, that is a, a big challenge that I find, particularly with organizations. So that that I, I think that network you know learning or network knowledge is is critical part of this. Of course, you know we can pull up the news news feeds and uh, so on, and that gives us so much. So so what is that process? So how is it that we build those networks? As you say, it is this give and take. I mean, is it simply just being able to find the right people and to you know share and build that relationship? I mean, how how does that happen in practice? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, my, uh, uh, my my colleague uh, Jay Cross talked about this a lot, and Jay was a champion of informal learning. And Jay often said that you know the the building block of learning um, is conversation, and I th that also becomes the building block of trust. Is that uh, the more conversations you have with with someone, the more that you trust them. And uh, there's uh, research in the pharmaceutical uh, research space, actually, that shows that uh, uh, people only share complex knowledge if they trust other people. And uh, so you have to build these these webs of trust, um, one person at a time or somebody connected through somebody else who knows somebody else. That's how we make sense of um, uh, what's going on. I mean, particularly, I mean, I mean, you know, good media literacy. That one of the first things you do is you take a look and, and you say, okay, what's in it for this person? Who's paying their bills? Why are they pushing this this message or something like, like that? And that's where the trusted relationships that we've built over time uh, become good filters to find out. Uh, you know, I might get some uh, mainstream uh, news about what's happening in Australia, uh, but you know, I can send you a note and say, hey, this is what they're saying is happening in Sydney. Is that really happening? And you get back to me and said, well, it's not quite like that. So actually, it's a little bit more nuanced. And uh, I find that the, these uh, international relationships that I have have really helped me to make sense of, of, of the world. And 
and have been uh, really good in understanding uh, this very uh, complex uh, pandemic that we're still working through the fourth wave here with. So I want, I want to come back to the pandemic and uh, the sense making around that, but, but perhaps your, your framework of seek, sense and share. And of course, this is something which you teach and you help mm-hmm. Uh, people and organizations with, but I mean, of course, is your own practice. You've you've created yes. this from your own practice. So, so could could you uh, take us through that uh, framework and what what those phases are and sure. how we develop those capabilities? Yes, yeah, seek really is um, as I mentioned with the city uh, project is based on curiosity. Is that you have to find ways in which you can seek out diverse opinions. I mean, first of all, when I start teaching uh, people this, I, I often use Twitter as an example. I say, okay, start on Twitter, and and point number one is why are you using Twitter? I say, is it to learn about something? Is it to connect to a community? It could be, oh, I want to see what's going on in my local community. Okay, so then find, and I usually recommend 20 to 30 people um, who are, you know, talking about what whatever it is that you're interested in. Uh, so that, and that's sort of like the, it's a little bit of a shotgun approach to start with. Then um, start paying attention to what they're doing. You don't have to engage yet. You're still seeking. Um, and you can sort of, and then you can, you can tune those signals. You can amplify the, the ones that are giving you good information. Um, and then you can decrease the noisy ones. And, and then you can take a look at, well, am I getting sort of the, the same information from the same people, or f- from these people, or am I getting diverse enough perspectives on it? And again, it's sort of that noise signal ratio that you, that you start adjusting a little bit. And that's a little bit of an art, uh, though there are some uh, techniques to it. So, so how do you amplify or turn down? Yeah, to amplify and turn down. So uh, the thing is like... How, how do you do that? Well, one thing like in my case is that, you know, because I've been doing this for so long, <laughs> sort of hard to go back to, uh, to day one when I did this. But I'm always on the lookout for people whose perspectives are, are different from the norm that I'm, fo- that I'm following. So I may come across somebody who's talking about... Uh, yeah, but they're talking about learning and education and uh, uh, training maybe and remote work and stuff like that. But they're located in North Africa, or maybe they're located uh, someplace in Asia where I really don't have many connections, let's say. And so I'll say, you know, I should follow that person and see whether or not I'm getting um, a more diverse perspective on, on that area. So I'm always on, I'm constantly on the lookout for people on the fringe or people who are not giving me sort of the, um, uh, the similar messages. And I'm also then, um, uh, uh, cutting back on sources where if, if I'm seeing that, that all they're doing is that they are um, talking about the same type of stuff. One thing that I've done over the years is that I used to follow a lot of um, sources of information, whether it was a news feed or, uh, or, or an aggregated uh, uh, comments and stuff like that. And more and more, it's I'm connected to individuals and I want to see what their perspective is on it. And that's where it, it really comes in handy. So, you know, one of my uh, network connections is Valdis Krebs. And Valdis is, uh, is an expert on uh, uh, organizational network analysis. And so if, I'm int- if, if I have questions that are related 
related to network analysis. I just I I, I send a message to Valdis and I say, look, Valdis, this is what I'm looking for. Where should I start looking? What maybe is a seminal document or resource that I should start with? And uh, he then you know makes refers that back to me and says, no, you should start here. Check this out. Don't look at that. Do those kinds of things. So more and more over time, I'm finding it's the it's those trusted human relationships that that really become my you know major filter to make sense of what the heck's going on particularly as we see the rise of misinformation and disinformation and propaganda in social media so is the next phase then sense yeah the, well well it is it's the next phase and it's the hardest phase it's the you know I've, i get all this and you know a lot of people you know take a look at your bookmarks or your social bookmarks and and see what you've got and how many thousands do you have and what have you done with it right and it's kind of like well i just got them well okay <laughs> that's that that's not very good it's you know it's it's all, you're getting all this input which is fine but you know are you going to be able to take any action on what you've learned and that's and to do that i think sometimes you you have to do what i call uh, put out half baked ideas and um, and get feedback on them um, and quite often i mean i may put those out on my blog um, and uh, uh, or I may share them inside uh, some uh, uh, private communities. Where the, the nice thing about private communities is that uh, if you put a stupid idea, you don't you won't get uh, attacked by the uh, by the trolls uh, who are all over social media right now. So sense making. The, the, again, as a blogger, it's been relatively easy uh, in that way. I mean, if if you are um, have an affinity to writing, uh, then blogging is a really uh, good and easy way to uh, to. To, to, to put some of your ideas out there and, and get feedback from people as well. Uh, but there are other ways of doing it. We're seeing that a lot with um, uh, uh, platforms like TikTok, is that people are putting out these uh, uh, the, the, these short videos. Um, there's, um, I was reading about one person, is what they do is at the end of the day, they, used to, they would drive to work and on the way uh, home, they would talk out loud to themselves about uh, how the day went, what they learned, and what they were going to do about it. So uh, I guess that's, you might get some funny looks if you're doing that on the bus. I'm not too sure. Uh, but yeah, you need to find a medium by which you can make sense of what is going on. And that could, that could be having regular conversations with people. Um, I think in some cases, this podcast series is, is, is part of what you're doing in terms of uh, thriving on, you know, thriving on overload. Um, how are you making sense of it? One way that you're doing it is that you're getting various perspectives uh, from a lot of different people. And I presume that you're going to be looking at synthesizing this as well. So, uh, but I think that for anybody who's in any profession, uh, particularly with the with the changes that we're seeing, with uh, you know uh, things like uh, uh, climate climate change, and I know Australia and Canada are getting whacked pretty hard with it uh, right now, is that uh, how can we make sense of uh, of this world, and uh, who do we pay attention to, and what's important, and it becomes um, it, it becomes it becomes difficult. It's when I run my workshops, uh, the sense making part is the part that we really talk a lot about, and it's you need to find your own medium. And uh, in, in some ways, it's like uh, becoming an artist. Are you going to be a painter or a sculptor? Right? Um, and well, you won't know unless you try and do it for a while. So so the, the next phase is, is share, though it sounds like in a way that 
sensing involves sharing in many cases. If you are, for example, blogging, as you say, or throwing out these trial balloons for for people to uh, to bounce off. Yeah, and the share part uh, has various aspects to it. One is that by uh, you know uh, narrating your work or working out loud or whatever term you want to use, is that you're exposing yourself. And um, uh, there was a book written about, about 10, 15 years ago, and they called Blogging Naked Conversations. And it is kind of like that, is that by, by putting yourself out there, you're also making yourself a target where you know, people will be able to, to criticize you. Uh, so the share part, that's the share part why it's good for me to share is because I'm going to get feedback. And uh, we've even seen this with, with, with students, the difference between a student submitting an, uh, um, a paper to a teacher is very different than the student posting it online for the world to see. And a lot of teachers have found that, you know, if the students put their work out into the general public, they actually put a heck of a lot more effort into it, right? Because they know that a lot of people are going to see that. And, and I think that's the same thing with any with any professional, is, is that you sort of have to, have to get out there. But then there's the other part of it, is that if we all share, we all do this uh, in, in, in a free way, as we do with the blog, is that we're actually helping to make the network smarter, right? Is that we're, we're, we're working, we're all doing our own little bit. And I think that that has been one of the challenges in our um, uh, more uh, established democracies, is that, um, you know, people are leaning towards uh, demagogues and populists, and there hasn't been the voice of reason or, or it's been drowned out. And we need more and more individuals to be able to contribute to those kinds of conversations and have those relationships so that, you know, so I can talk to somebody who's on a you know different part of the political spectrum, we can still respect each other and we can have nuanced conversations and not and not be screaming at each other. So that again becomes part of why sharing is important. And of course there, there are real challenges. I mean, I know women who are quite active on social media, you know, and, and they want you know, they've had to block tens of thousands of of, of, of trolls and attacks. Um, and that's a, the nasty nature of it. So finding the right balance, finding the right platforms um, becomes important. So I share different things inside my private communities than I do uh, on my blog or, or, or on other social media. And it becomes a balancing act of, you know, you know sharing sharing enough information, making enough sense of this stuff. And also, you know, you still got to get things done. That becomes important. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as you know, I'm, I'm a deep believer in the, the share part on lots of levels personally and, and contributing to the global brain and all these wonderful things. But I mean, I think there's many people would say, is that necessary? Is, can, uh, you know, do it, it takes time, it's, um, I'm sort of, as you say, pe people might not respond in the right way. So how, how important in that seek, send, share is that for everyone to do? Well, if you think about just um, talking about living in a civil society, um, be participating in a democracy, is that people who can be articulate are not sharing is that where are other people going to get their information from? And I find that if you're not helping to make your network and your community smarter, then you may wind up with a dumb network uh, that's making bad decisions like voting for demagogues or uh, going down the populist simplistic route. So it's, it's in a network society, I think as part of the social contract. And uh, and it also is something that is not taught in schools at all. 
And that's really missing. I mean, I've implemented PKM in one educational institution so far. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing really well in that. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com course to find out more. Now back to the show. You, you mentioned before about the, the pandemic, and I think that's something which... Uh, everyone is trying to make sense of yeah and uh, it's not as if we can really truly make sense of it and it's obviously a moving target with new data and new information and new insights and it's partly we want to understand what's going on in our nation and the world but also how do we keep ourselves and our families safe so yeah. how how have how have you seen all this being applied by you and or others on on in terms of making sense of this uh what we've experienced this year and last. Yeah, well, I, you know, the pandemic hit. We got locked down. Um, the first thing I did is I is I uh, phoned my son. My son is a microbiologist, uh, works as a research scientist. And I'm going like, so what's all this stuff? <laughs> what's going on? So he explained a little bit to me, and um, I started, you know, uh, following the uh, WHO, CDC, and and, and the Canadian um, uh, uh, pu public health as well, and to to, to get the information. Um, and then some weak signals came out that, okay, the WHO is political. Well, of course it is because it's a member nation organization. The CDC is was a little bit slow on that. And you start taking a look at, well, who are these people? And oh, they're researchers and they want to make sure the research is perfect. And uh, and and then and then start getting conflicting information. So I found a couple of people who were a bit on the edge, and one of them just happened to be a, a person that I've been connected with on Twitter for a long time. So, so I knew her, and uh, it's uh, Dr. Trish Greenhalf, who um, teaches primary care medicine at, at Oxford University. And I started following her, and Trish suddenly started started going off and criticizing what the WHO was saying. And, and in early 2020, she and a team of I think 36 other uh, uh, scientists and, uh, and and physicians, you know, put out a paper talking about um, uh, the that that uh, COVID or the coronavirus is airborne, right? Whereas we were here, you know, washing things down and putting up. Uh, plexiglass barriers and things like that, and showed quite clearly that this wasn't working. And so I started following her, connecting to other people. And actually, I wound up. I have a I have a Twitter list called Pandemic. Uh, it's off of my uh, my Twitter profile, and I've got about a dozen people um, from three four different countries uh, with uh, experience all over the world um, who basically have gone a little bit against the mainstream because well, one, one thing is, is that they don't have bosses who force them to toe the party line. And I have been six to 12 months ahead of what has come down through official channels. So we were masking when nobody else was, you know. Uh, we, we then started getting the higher quality masks um, uh, when people were wearing cloth ones and things like that. And it was, it's this this little network I've got of, uh, some of these the people follow me back, most of them don't, um, but they are trying to help make the network smarter and passing on really good research and information about uh, the nature of this pandemic. 
Um, and I've realized that, yeah, is that, uh, you know, every authority, every institution has their own agenda and you have to know what that agenda is. And then you have to figure out how can you make the best decisions uh, for you and your family. And I found my little pandemic Twitter list has been pretty darn good. So I'm kind of happy with that. So it sounds like this is choosing your sources. Uh, yeah, choosing your sources, but also choosing the sources that are going to disconfirm what you what you think. So you need to you, you also you need to have the people who are going to challenge your thinking, so you don't go down you know a single rabbit hole, and uh, and 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 that is that. I mean that, that's that's the trick, right? That's the art in doing this. Um, it's uh, it, it's having people who are on the outside or who have differing opinions, not no, not total nut job opinions or anything like that, but people who see things differently. Like but an interesting um, one that I sort of follow on the edge because you know I'm very deep into things that are important to me, and the pandemic has suddenly become important. But I'm also interested in you know of course climate change, like anybody else, and so I'm I'm following the um, the arguments and the discussions and conversations around nuclear energy um, as as a you know a good short-term alternative to you know adding more co2 in, in, into the air and it's interesting to watch the um, uh, how people have entrenched positions and there is very little middle ground <laughs> uh, in this um, so so anyway it's a it, it's a, it's a place where I sort of poke a little bit and try and, and try to learn but diversity becomes really really important is uh, is having diverse sources of knowledge particularly when we're dealing with something that is complex like climate change or uh, or the pandemic so, so one one point is you, you said there were just a dozen sources in pandemic so you this is not a, a very wide net you're being very careful in I suppose that curating that list of sources yeah what i what i did with it was you know it started with a few people and i tried to get so I, you know tr i've got folks in the uk us canada and uh every once in a while i tweet out and i say okay this is who i'm following is there anybody else i should be following or anything like that and i've removed a couple of people and i've added a couple of people but for the most part the ones that i'm following are people who are in the business of um, communicating and information um, and so th they're putting out a lot of stuff and they're referring to a lot of other sources but i mean as as one individual having you know 50 or 100 of these things to go through would be would be too much so uh, I, i've got i it said about 11 i would definitely add to it if i if i came across something that uh, uh or someone that that that, that could add to uh the uh, uh the conversation and the knowledge that is being shared there so, uh, but, but yeah, f finding your limits is, it becomes important as well. Again, if you're spending all your time seeking and reading and not doing anything about it, that's not very helpful. So in terms of the sense-making, so you, you have diverse sources mm -hmm. and, and so you take the nuclear energy as an example, where you've got a lot of polarized opinions, not a lot of milled ground. So this, this is quite a, it's, it's, it's a burden, it's a responsibility. How it is, how do you then make sense of this complexity when you've got all of this diversity of opinion? I think that, yeah, as this goes, I suppose, to the point where, where people are saying, oh, well, it's easy if everyone, all the, my information sources agree, mm -hmm. then I don't need to have the difficult cognition of working out, working out what's going on. But I suppose that is one of the challenges is as it becomes more diverse, 
we we are we it leaves us with that burden of trying to continually uh, sort through that. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, again, you have to sort of say, is that you know, what am I making sense of? Am I just reading this to read it and understand it? Uh, am I going to try to put these diverging or you know, diametrically opposed um, uh, opinions? Am I going to try to make find some middle ground on that? And I, when when our kids were in school, one thing I did is I, I was, I mean, I have a degree in education, but I'm not I'm not an educator per se. And uh, one of the things that I did when the when the boys were in school was I started you know connecting with um, uh, people who were talking about unschooling, de-schooling, uh, the whole the whole the big homework question you know is homework valuable? Does it detract from learning? Those kinds of things. And I collected a lot of information about that, and uh, and and I used that to make sense ourselves of what is it that uh, how should we be helping uh, our boys in school? Um, I really I'm not really interested in it anymore. I'm not kind of parked that one over on the side. So I think part of it in in, in the sense making is that, uh, you know, what are you doing with the information and the experiences that that that, that you're living through? Uh, probably one of the easiest things and that I you know I recommend uh, one of the activities we do in my workshops is I get people to, um, you know, take a look at uh, a, a a situation. Let, let's say it was the the, the riots in the U.S. Uh, last year, and uh, and then get information from multiple spectrums, and then put that together and try to ascertain the validity of, of each one of the perspectives and, and and where there are disagreements and things like that. Um, another easy way in terms of sense making that I found is that um, is writing book reviews. Is uh, you know when you've read a book. Write about it. Write what you think was important about it, and I found that's that's just been helpful with other people. I have those reviews on my on my website, and so you know, you ask me about. Look, I'm really interested in a book on that does this and this. And I said I read a really good one several years ago. Let me pull it out. Right. Well, it's there. It's on my blog. All I have to do is share the link. Right. That makes it minimal effort for me, um, in, in in terms of the sharing. So sometimes sharing is sharing at the right moment. You know, is that? But if you've got nothing to share, right? That's not very helpful. So that's the nice thing about the blog is I can write it, and I, but I can share something. I mean, I know I've uh, used some of your posts from like ten years ago uh, that, that 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 I still share in presentations or conversations. Say, oh, check this out here, um, and uh, you know, had you not read that and had you not made it easy for sharing, it would be it would be difficult for me uh, to, uh, to 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 disseminate that. So perhaps digging into a little bit the the detail of what's your, to, you know, what's in a day for you, an information day for you. I mean, do you have a, a routine? Do you look at particular sources, uh, particular times of day, or what's what's the what what happens in a day in terms of information input, or assessing or working with it? Yeah, usually. Um the places I go for sure are my private communities. So I'm a member of uh, three online communities um, that, that for and, and they're focused on different things. So if there's anything new in those, I will, I'll definitely check that out. Um, I also manage um, a community called the Perpetual Beta Coffee Club. And we've got about 70 members in that. So as the um, moderator and uh, uh, convener of that, um, I'll, I'll check out what's going there. Then um, I, I use an aggregator. 
So uh, I use Feedly right now. Um, and so I've got about, um, I don't know, 75, 100 sources. Uh, that uh, and, and I'll go through the aggregator. Usually at least once a day, I'll go through the aggregator and see what's new. Um, and I'm pretty quick. Uh, it's like, um, you know, new, new, interesting, interesting, interesting. Then if there's something I'm going like, oh, I want to do something with this, is that um, I put things into a very small holding tank because I know that that holding tank would get really big. And it's kind of like, this is something I want to read in depth, or this is something that I think I can comment on, or I can connect A, B, and C here together. And I put those there, and those are sort of like a, a blog posts to be written or things to be shared within within my communities. I, I, I get those in there. Um, and then um, uh, I, I, I use Twitter. Um, I usually uh, check Twitter fairly frequently unless I, I, I'm working. Uh, what I found pre-pandemic was interesting because I had sort of two routines. I had my at-home routine and then I had my travel routine. And while I was traveling, um, I was only seeking and collecting stuff. And it was I, when I got home, that was when I would be doing the sense-making and the sharing. And uh, now it's, uh, you know, it, my, uh, my routine is... Um, uh, focus on whatever uh, my priority happens to be. So let's say my priority this week is uh, is, is is writing uh, some of my own material, um, or maybe it's client work, maybe it's preparing a presentation, those kinds of things. And like even when I like, so if I have a presentation uh, that I, that I'm getting ready to do, maybe a month from now, is I'll have that parked. And then I will also have an eye to my feeds and to my conversations go, oh, hey, that's an interesting connection. I, can, I think I can put that in to this idea that, uh, that, that I'll be conveying in, in, in the presentation. So it's, it's fluid. Um, and the other thing is it's not compartmentalized. Like I don't compartmentalize, you know, work and um, – uh, non-work and leisure and things like that. For me, it's all it's one brain and it's it, and it's and it's and it's one flow um, as it goes through. I, I hope that kind of answers it. Yes, absolutely. So, so when you let's say you're going through aggregator and you find something uh, for a you you want to read more leisure later, so mm -hmm. do you? Uh, do you use a note-taking system? Do you tag it? Uh, how do you, um, how, or bookmark it? Or how do you then, I suppose, take those contents? Short term, I, I, I bookmark it and I just put it into my um, uh, into my menu uh, on the browser on one of the browsers because I use multiple ones, um, and 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 that and the thing is is that it, that gets full really quick, so that that forces me to do something with it because I used to use aggregators and like blog lines years ago, and it had that save for later function, and then you know one day I take a look and I got oh I have seven hundred save for later items. I'm not going to read any of these things. So so that, that that's why I, the things that I save, I put into, like I said, a, a very small container. Um, things that I think I, that could be useful, but I'm not going to do anything in the short term with, um, I then uh, put them into a social bookmark system. And I use, I use Pinboard right now. I really like Pinboard because it's super simple. And it's also, you have to pay for it. And that means that uh, the fellow who runs it is going to be around for a while. 
<laughs> so I'm not going to lose uh, uh, lose, my, and it's quite easy to to, uh, to export on that. And Pinboard is is handy. I, I use it quite often with uh, my clients. Is that uh, uh, my client is interested in in something? Let's say it's remote work, right? And so I, uh, as I find articles and references on on remote work, is that I will tag them. I will highlight. Uh, uh, pieces of the text and um, and put them into Pinboard. And then with the client, uh, they'll say, well, you, some interesting stuff on that. I can take a bunch of those, stick them together, put a separate tag on top of it, you know, the client's name, let's say, or something like that, and give it to them. And now I have this um, curated list of 10, 15, 20, whatever things that are relevant to them. So that's that's where that that's sort of like the asynchronous sharing. Okay. I'm 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 getting this stuff. I'm adding some value to it with my comments, with my tagging, uh, with highlighting of text. And then at the appropriate time when someone needs it, now I can give it to them. So I'm not dumping them information that they may need six months from now because they're not going to read it. So you talked before about synthesis, actually suggesting that uh, I would be synthesizing some of these uh, conversations, which is absolutely true. But that's, again, the challenge which we have is how do we synthesize, build our mental models and so on. Um, So, of course, you create some visual you know some diagrams or some frameworks so that's i know that's part of your practice but mm-hmm. what is that process of cogitation or laying things out or writing them or drawing them in terms of this you know what what is the process for you of synthesis of, of building effective mental models I mean, you can add value to information in a lot of ways. And, you know, an easy, you know, a a sort of a a low value add would be categorizing stuff, right? Um, And uh, which which is fine. Let's say you you find um, uh, 50 sources of information about something um, and you can find the top 10. Right. These are the these are the ones. So that that's or you can categorize them like type A, type B, type C. Um, that makes it easier for you to share. It makes it easier for someone else to say, "Oh, this is pertinent to me," um, and it also makes it easier to come back to sometimes and say, "Oh yeah, I remember I, I put those things down there, and now is the time uh, for me to do something about that." Um, Another way of adding value is, um, particularly if you're doing client work, is um, and I've done this many times, is that I will read a very deep paper, uh, you know, research document or something like that on a topic, and I will pick out what is pertinent to the client. I say, okay, the, they talk about these kinds of things. This, I think, is really of interest to you, and this is why I think it is. Um, and that's, again, a nice way to, uh, uh, to, to, to add value to the knowledge. And I know that you've talked about this as well uh, over the years. Um, uh, just another, another way of doing it is to present it. You know, uh, and again, I think that's where I think we're seeing that a lot with uh, particularly the younger generation with TikTok is that they're taking some complex thing that's happening in society, and in thirty seconds, and quite often in a humorous way, they're synthesizing the key points. Say, <laughs> oh, that's what it's really about. And I think that's a real, really good value add. Um, and uh, yeah, I think those are you know, mm. at, synth- synthesizing it, presenting it. 
uh, presenting it in a different way, presenting it to a certain audience, um, categorizing it, uh, summarizing it. Those are all ways I think that we could that we can make sense of it. And, you know, sometimes I'll take um, like I did with um, Johnny Ive uh, gave a presentation when he became um, uh, what was it the Oxford Cambridge uh, Fellow in Information or something. It was about three four years ago, and um, I read his uh, speech, which was, which was quite good. And 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 he talked about the development of the iPhone and the challenges between design and shipping and things like that. And I took all of that and I I I highlighted what I thought were the key parts because he talked about uh, you know how important curiosity is, but then it has to be balanced with the resolve to solve the problem and to ship and to deliver uh, what it is that that you're doing. So yes, you can go oh look a butterfly, but you still have to. Build the iPhone and 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 get it out there, um, and 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 then I um, I actually match that up with my seek sense share model, and what you know he's basically doing that is he's out there seeking information in his in, in, in his networks. He's also he's also focused on collaborating and getting work done, and in the middle he has this group of people from multiple. Um, uh, uh, disciplines who are learning from each other, who are sharing in this in this private space. Uh, what's going on from you know because design is different from engineering is different from you know marketing and all those things, but they all have something to to, uh, to to add to it. And he talked about during the day is that you're constantly going from that out there curious. This is interesting idea that may be fruitful later, you know, and then all the way down to what is it that we're going to get done today. Uh, and, and he says it's this constant dance between curiosity and resolve. And I, and I think it was, and you know, for me, making sense of it, putting it, adding a, a visual, helped me sort of convey that. Yes, yes, yeah. The process of distillation. I think it's uh, as you say, trying to trying to get into that thirty second TikTok is a uh, is a is a nice way to frame it because if mm-hmm. you if you you can pull something into that, then you've you know you've obviously uh, you know that that's that's a real uh, act yeah. of synthesis. Yeah, and there's some really, really good folks doing it. The thing is, is that, and then the, the challenge, just to digress a bit, is that how do you how do you keep up with all of them without going down the rabbit hole? Well, do you do you, do you have a what's your response to that question? I ignore a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's basically you it. have to. Yeah. So I mean, we could talk for hours because you know this is you have such depth here, and obviously point. Uh, you know, any listeners to your website, judge.com and um, your work. But what else? I mean, in terms of just wrapping up here, what are anything else which we haven't talked about yet, which you think is critically important in being able to understand how it is that uh, people can thrive on overload? I think we've covered a lot of, you know, really good territory in terms of your framing of this. But what, what else is really critical to understand so that people can you know, prosper. And, uh, you know, when we have so much information, so much we need to make sense of. I think that, because uh, we're seeing it right now on social media, people are saying, I'm leaving social media, I'm going into this private forum or something like that. And it's the difference between networks and communities. And I firmly believe that we need to be engaged in both. Uh, A network is like the Wild West. um, And yes, it's filled with trolls. So Twitter is a network. uh, uh, Facebook is a network, no matter what they say. 
Um, and but these are really good places to get divergent opinions. And you're going to get into some, and you know, Sturgeon's law, right? Ninety percent of everything is crap. Um, and so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of crap out there. But but also balance that with a with a community, a community that serves its members, that is there for its members, that's run by its members, and where there are trusted relationships. And you can you know stick your head out there, say something stupid. People may say, Harold, that's stupid, but, but you know, they're going to say it in a nice way, like in a, in a family way. And, yeah. and, and that's where you can feel comfortable uh, doing those kinds of things. And I, uh, I think that like folks who are in the learning business is that, you know, they're, they should really be focused on helping uh, to develop communities, to support the communities, to help other people find communities, because things are moving so fast is that we need to have, uh, you know, safe places is where we can share information. Um, so it's both communities and networks, and 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 don't confuse the two. Uh, you know, you're, a network is not a safe, if not a safe place, but it's a place where you could get some really interesting ideas. That's fantastic. So thank you so much uh, for your insights, Harold. And uh, I suppose to your points earlier, I'll probably quite likely will uh, ping you with a, an email with a question uh, <laughs> here or two along the way. By all means. But thank you so much for your time and your insight. It's been, uh, yeah. it's been a great delight to talk to you again, Harold. Always nice to talk to you, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com, where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review, and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.